I'm Afshin Ratansi and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. This week marks one year since the international community began the long-awaited fight back against Washington hegemony as most of the world refused to sanction Russia when its forces moved into Donbass, Ukraine to protect its population eight years after a US-backed coup that saw thousands killed. Within months of the EU and UK responding by backing US sanctions on vital Russian energy, Joe Biden, Anthony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Victoria Newland and the Norwegian government conspired to blow up multi-billion dollar energy pipelines supplying Germany. As well as September 2022 being an ecological catastrophe, it resulted in a complete destabilization of energy prices that some blame for killing hundreds of thousands as the poor and vulnerable died of cold. At least that's according to the global exclusive scoop of the century made by one of the greatest journalists in history, Seymour Hirsch, famous for exposing the My Lai massacre that became emblematic of US slaughter of millions in Vietnam, Cambodia Lao to the NATO nation use of torture in Iraq. The former New York Times journalist and author of Reporter and Memoir joins me from his home in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much, Sai, uh, for uh, coming back uh, on. I should say that uh, uh, just in the past few days, you've come out with another piece uh, with the uh, arguably horrific title From the Gulf of Tonkin to the Baltic Sea, uh, almost running parallels with respect to the Norwegian government between wars that killed millions of people in Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos, two, comparing them to the Biden attack uh, that some say may have killed hundreds of thousands this uh, winter. Are they really comparable? <laughs> well, um, I, I did write that. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't say they were comparable. I just mentioned that there's a, a, uh, if anything, there, there's a, it's a historical fact that uh, the United States manipulated uh, intelligence and, and invented um, uh, an attack that didn't exist uh, in 1964 to drive the Congress to give the president what he wanted, authority to do everything. And it's also um, uh, pretty true right now that uh, this presidency, it's been caught out in a way by the fact that they did the pipeline. They're not admitting it. And I don't think they ever will because the implications of doing so. Uh, um, I'm, I must note that I have no idea if anybody died because of the cold. I think the real worry Europe has is next winter because there was a, between the time of the pipeline was blown up September, late September, and the onset of winter, they managed to increase the number of, of monofuel they had stored. But the worry is next winter, and as, as, as I'm sure people in Europe know or pay more attention to than here, uh, there's been a lot of st uh, storm and drag, a lot of stuff going on in, in Germany about this. Uh, there have been debates in the in the in the in the Bundestag, their parliament, and a lot of discussions. I know I've been invited to all sorts of uh, meetings there, which I'm not doing, and I know the UN Security Council had a debate on this. None of which gets much coverage in the American press, which is too bad. Let's just go to that UN Security Council uh, meeting. I know that uh, two two of the uh, people that testified uh, there, they've both been on the show, Ray McGovern and Jeffrey Sachs. I don't know what you thought if you heard. The Undersecretary General appointed by Antonio Guterres, the UN uh, Secretary General, Rosemary Di Carlo, appointed by this, this Antonio Guterres, said the UN is in no position to investigate. This is because there are doubts over the investigations currently being conducted by the uh, Swedish, uh, Danish and German governments into the Nord Stream uh, catastrophe. And she said, uh, she also said she, it was unleashed by the invasion of Ukraine and we should avoid any unfounded accusations as if kind of backing up some of the Security Council permanent members. I don't know what you thought of Britain's envoy. Uh, Single-source journalism debunked. I mean, 
I don't know what you thought of that. <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you something. I, I, I didn't follow it that closely. I read an article about it today, and I did hear about what the, uh, the Brits said, the Britain uh, uh, diplomat said. In America, the president has something called an immense power on the intelligence community. He can give what they call a tasking order to the community. He can say to the, 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 the intelligence, we have something called the ONI, Office of National Intelligence, which is with the supreme commander of, of all intelligence assets, including the military. And they have an intelligence office. He could ask them for a complete all source to get access to signals, intelligence, et cetera. He could also ask the CIA directly because they have an intelligence division that does its own work. And there's also a special little black intelligence operation for the covert forces we operations we have there's three large intelligence organizations that have the capacity to get access to all and he has not issued one order he's not asked for any any evaluations jake sullivan the the, um, the guy who had a lot to do with organizing the the initial the initial operation he was the national security advisor. He had a news conference in which he said, well, we're having our allies look at it. And he mentioned that he didn't talk about his own invest American investigation. The Swedes and the Danes did do an investigation in September and October. They came out with this astonishing conclusion that indeed something had been, something happened under the water and it was an explosion. I'm just thinking that something different, I want to get onto the failure of Russian intelligence actually that your uh, report arguably exposes as well. But th there's something different here because whilst they can deny it and lie um, as they have done uh, from stories from you, from Watergate to uh, uh, My Lai to uh, everything else, this time it's the New York Times saying good reasons to doubt the story. Uh, the White House saying uh, should not be believed on any fact. And as for Ned Price, while he may be allowed uh, ju judicially to be able to lie, he says beyond getting his enti facts entirely wrong, as, ha as he has b before in very high-profile ways. Uh, what's all the character assassination bundled in with the denials that they're allowed to do if this was a covert uh, uh, atrocity that the Biden administration undertook? No, that's the game. I live with that. That's the game. I always had people that I could talk to since doing the Milai story in, in, in 1969. It was a massacre that had been a year, done a year and a half earlier, about which I will tell you, the knowledge of that kind of stuff was known to many in the press corps. But if you're working over there, I can understand that. Over there would be dangerous to do a story like that. You know, the Americans would not like it. So there was always a hesitation inevitably about that. But when I did that story, more than half the country thought I was lying about it, you know. So I've gone through this, on, even on a mass mass murder story, which is so obvious to find. Um, but it's quicker uh, nowadays, because your article about Nord Stream is much quicker than Bob Shear's article about uh, Gulf of Tonkin false flags committed by Johnson. Yeah, things well, are getting I, quicker. <laughs> it's goddamn, you know, communication stuff that's going on that I don't know much about. I mean, I can barely, I, I can I can operate a, 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 a cell phone maybe on, on my good day. You know, in our generation, there was phones, you know, and now the, it's, um, it's so fast, everything's so quick, so fast, so quick. Um, I like, since I did that first story a month ago, was it a month ago, three weeks ago, I'm beginning 350 to 400 phone emails a day because everybody knows my email is out there. It's like a phone number. 
And so, and it, it, in the old days, it took a week before, you know, I got much response. I'd had to see, I, I wrote my first My Life stories and it was sent to 50 papers. And uh, in one afternoon by Telex Collect, this was in 1969. And I, we didn't know till the next day, I and my colleague in, in, at the little news agency on which I published, nobody wanted my story. Nobody in the world wanted the My Life story. I'll tell you that. And it, we didn't know until the next afternoon when these out-of-town papers came in that they were they, they, it, it had been a splash. Now it's so different, and it's probably better, but it makes for, um, it's real easy. Look, this White House has no, not only no incentive to investigate the story, they have no incentive to ever, to ever deny it. I mean, look what they did. In late September of, of uh, last year, what, you know, how many, five months ago, uh, they 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 had they could have blown it up any time from you know the I wrote about operations in Norway and all that they, they, those earlier stories I wrote about a lot of detail about it um, and um, I, uh, an awful lot of detail including stuff uh, inside some of the White House meetings so and I didn't of course I didn't name my source <laughs> and if you notice if you read it carefully there's no suggestion my source was ever at any meetings. Because the one thing we're good at is tracking people. If I had if I had somebody at a meeting, they would know who was there and they would work from that. At this point, you know, their problem is, um, um, you know, get an illegal wiretap, which I don't think they'll do. Well, and Snowden, Snowden, who said the balloon Chinese balloon story was, he he added to your original surveillance stories of the '70s, saying it is already bugged. Maybe they're bugging this right now. But I just want to quickly get to Russia, because uh, as you know. And you must have seen the Russian Defense Ministry, Sergei Shoigu's uh, organization in Moscow, said, oh, it's MI6 and something to do with the uh, Royal Navy. And then there was this leaked message uh, from the then British, uh, very brief British Prime Minister, uh, a Freedom of Information request of why she was texting uh, Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, it's done, this is Liz Truss. And Freedom of Information request elicited a response, thank you for your email. Uh, searches have not identified any information held in scope of your request, but it was leaked that she texted this. Russia didn't really understand. I mean, they knew about Salvador Allende, which you exposed the CIA plot against uh, back in the 70s. In this case, Russia completely missed the boat when it came to uh, Nord Stream? I have no idea. I mean, no, I, I have not talked to uh, anybody in Russia. And uh, um, uh, Russia, of course, is responding to the story uh, with enthusiasm because, you know, it's, they're in a war. And um, all, all, you know, all bets are off. But um, uh, I, I seriously doubt, well, let me see, I, let me put it this way. I've said this a couple of times in, re, in interviews. If I were a reporter looking at this story now at the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, I would try and find people, uh, even Americans, who own or are on the boards of companies that uh, build pipelines underwater. Because I can tell you right now, uh, I have empirical stuff I can't make public because I've, I've said I would not. But I can tell you right now that there's nobody in the, who, in the pipeline business, nobody who was a consultant to the companies that worked for the pipelines, and I've talked to those people some have, somehow, at least one in particular, nobody has, nobody has a, 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 they're absolutely, the one thing they're convinced of, of course, is Russia did do it because it's absolutely insane for them to have done it. Uh, by the time um, it happened in September, 
The Germans, the second pipeline, Nord Stream 2, was online. The first pipeline was, was announced in late, in, uh, in, under the Bush-Cheney years. And I can tell you that going back to the Kennedy years, we've always, the, the worry has been that Russia, because of its enormous amount of natural gas and, and, uh, and, 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 and oil uh, in, you know, in, in all of uh, Russia and Asia, is full of, uh, 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 of raw minerals and, and gas, methane gas. We've, there's always been a worry that Russia would, would, the word we use is weaponize, weaponize gas, particularly um, as a weapon, political weapon, in, the, in the, the struggle with us that's been going on since World War II. Cy Hirsch, I'll stop you there. More from the Pulitzer Prize winning legendary journalist after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with Pulitzer Prize-winning legendary journalist Seymour Hirsch. You mentioned the Cheney years. One of the Cheney alumnus is uh, Victoria Newland, uh, of course. And I know Cheney and you go back years, in, in some ways, to uh, the More 1970s. When did this all start, then? Because if they were planning it way before the uh, one, year, one year ago when uh, Russia moved into Donbass uh, for, the, for the big fight back, uh, Minsk, we had a UN Security Council resolution. This would completely violate that resolution 2202 to try and calm things down when it came to the Ukraine uh, Russia versus Russian-speaking areas of Ukraine situation. We had Newland and the phone call saying, F*** the EU in 2014. Of course, all the media, you mentioned the New York Times and Washington Post, said it, the whole war started a year ago. When did it start, and why would uh, the Biden and Joe Biden personally you're talking about, and Jake Sullivan and uh, Anthony Blinken, they knew that they knew Minsk was in force, and they just went, go for it, blow the thing up. Well, Minsk, uh, I, I think the record of Minsk is pretty horrible. I mean, um, uh, uh, if you know Chancellor, former Chancellor uh, Merkel said literally in the words I'm giving you, the West signed the Minsk Accords in 2014, which called for a ceasefire in the areas of uh, Ukraine that have a lot of Ruff Russian population. Uh, and she said everybody knew it just gave NATO a chance to build up arms. Some people might say that given the scope of the article in terms of who must have had to know about this uh, plan, whether it be the Norwegian uh, sailors and governments. And you're, you're an expert at this naval stuff since Project Jennifer. People can look it up. And, you're, and the cra sounds crazy, multi-billion dollar ideas of uh, Russian nuclear submarines. Norwegian sailors, people in the Norwegian departments, people in the State Department, people in the uh, Pentagon, people in the CIA, Bill Burns' lot. And there's only one whistleblower, in effect, here, uh, who is saying, look, this is... This is pretty bad, what the Biden administration has done. That, I suppose that surprised even some, maybe in those institutions who, you know, respect you greatly, but at the same time have to go along with their leaders, whether it be in state or uh, CIA. You know, you mentioned Ed Snowden. Here's what interests me about him. Uh, at the time he was in the CIA, I read his memoir, which is quite interesting because he was really a kid really into computers and not into political science. So he's in there and he discovers that the one thing about the NSA that I knew from, I've been reporting in Washington for the New York Times and before that for the AP, I covered the war, Vietnam War uh, in Washington in, in the Pentagon. 
Um, and so I got to know something, some people who worked in the signals world. And the one thing that I, I, I understood is that if you're in the signals world, you cannot intercept an American without a warrant. What Snowden discovered, was told and learned as a consultant, was that they had changed the law. They, they opened it up and everybody knew it. They opened it up so they could now listen. If you were listening to somebody who thought was a, an agent of Al-Qaeda and he had a conversation with an American, you didn't have to hesitate. Take it, copy it down. So Snowden, um, who was not a political person, a technological person, recoiled at this. And at that time, there were maybe 25,000 people working for the NSA. Let's just say, I know it's more than that, probably 10% directly knew the rules had changed. So it's a very important rule. Rules is always you do not listen to Americans as a constitution. And out of that, out of those 10, 8,000, many thousands, one spoke out about a direct violation of most, one of the most sensitive things in the American constitution, the right of speech, speech not to be monitored without a warrant. And so people sometimes talk to me about, well, you know, you're a conspiracy theorist because you, you know, <laughs> one, the conspiracy, Snowden was one out of what, 10, 15, 25,000, one to speak out. So there is something about the community that is bizarre. And Snowden, uh, it, the, the guts it took him to, to, to speak out and the price he's paying for it, you know, he's losing, you know, uh, you know, I don't think it's safe for him to ever come back to the country. But the bottom line is the notion that there's something conspiratorial um, uh, for a reporter to, it's, it, there's just all kinds of people in the American government and many in the intelligence community and many in the military um, under, value the constitution. They take an oath of office to the constitution, not to the president. And those are the people I've gotten, I know many of them over the years. Those are the people, and some rise to see one, some become four stars. Some of the people I've talked to were leading way at the top of the climb, talked to me privately about stuff they couldn't stand because for them, the constitution was the thing. And those people are the people I know. And I will tell you right now, they're also the people I will protect forever because you know why, why shouldn't I? And, and I'm telling you, um, what happened in Norway, the reason I wrote the piece of Substack talk, going back to Lyndon Johnson, we all know that Johnson's premise for going, expanding the war and getting congressional uh, uh, commitment to do whatever he wanted in the war, the same as the, the one that uh, George Bush got after 9-11 that led him to go to Iraq, he could do what he wanted. He got a complete bill of goods right from, in, in a speech called the, um, the Tonkin Gulf Resolution in uh, the Congress passed after, after Johnson lied about what happened in the war. He invented a, a North Vietnamese attack. He and McNamara conspired to change the intelligence. It's not, this is not new, it's been known. But I, used, I'm, I'm, I was thinking of that in the context of Johnson lied about something that led us into a war that killed 58,000 Americans, and get this, anywhere between one and three million Vietnamese. We don't know, that's, that's the way we deal with, the, with these people of a different race, I guess, one to three million. And so here we have a president's lying about a, a, not telling the truth about something he authorized that did happen. And what's going to happen now? Germany, I think the reason for it, I think in late September last year, it was clear that whatever we thought about Ukraine winning the war or standing up to the Russians was going to be very unlikely, which it is going to be very unlikely, despite what you read in the daily newspapers. It's not going well at all. So Putin's telling Western Europe and the Germans, um, particularly the Germans, that 
Well, we value, we're so worried that you might decide not to support us all the way because you're getting oil from Russia. They controlled the pipeline, as I said, the Germans. Um, he was worried they would drop the sanctions and start taking the gas again. So what he did is, is he said to Europe and Western, well, you can't in a crunch, you know, we're going to let you be cold. It's not cold this year, but I will tell you right now, the real worry is next winter. Although the because, excess deaths, a BBC piece said it was the highest on record in 2022 towards, you know, since the Nord Stream uh, destabilized prices. So uh, they're varying degrees and some people are saying there's not allowing the information out. But before, uh, to get away from the depressing idea that there's only very few people that uh, stand up for the Constitution amongst these thousands of people who work in your intelligence services, in a way, you're complimenting... Uh, Joe Biden and uh, Sullivan, Joe Biden, who everyone is saying, oh, he's senile and so on. There's an implication that the reason they gave away the fact they were pleased with the Nord Stream atrocity, uh, Newland, of course, saying it's a hunk of metal and Blinken saying whatever he was saying, in a way may give them some judicial help in any future court that they're allowed to covertly blow up the Nord Stream. Is that right? What? <laughs> in a sense well, that Berlin, you say you, you say you, people were alarmed well, that they were publicly telling the press, "Hey, the Nord Stream has been destroyed," and uh, on the other hand, there is a reason why they might wish it be known that the action had been taken. Well, I'll tell you the point of view uh, that I gathered from the team. The very. I think very competent team, that American team that went to Norway. We, we went to Norway to figure out what to do because the pipelines were running all the way down the Baltic Sea from basically outside of uh, St. Peter's, uh, outside of Leningrad, and, and uh, all the way down to Germany directly. There were 750 miles, two of them. And um, <laughs> all I can tell you is the thought was of the, pe the people assigned to do this project is this was in before Christmas of 2021 when Russia was building up and it was clear that Putin had was mentally across the line anyway. It was going to be hard to get him off it. Uh, among other things, the rhetoric of the Biden anti-Russian rhetoric had, had improved. <laughs> uh, the, 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 Russia didn't need a war. Russia was has been doing um, uh, dealing with the West and trading and, and was profitable and and uh, Moscow was a, a town of tourism in, in, in nice weather, great restaurants and all that stuff. People very uh, open about America. And, and to get back into a, a war, the public didn't want. But our rhetoric after Putin got in, after Biden got in office, the rhetoric, if you looked at the statistically the percentage of people who supported the Putin and the idea of war, they went up enormously. And he got political backing in a way from the rhetoric to do the war because he stayed, he's still staying reasonably popular. In Russia, nobody likes him. Uh, when I go to Russia, everybody privately would say, "What well, you know? He's, he's a leader we don't like." Um, but he, he's 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 not being challenged for the leadership, even though we keep on wishing he would be. Um, the people who did this thing were assigned to do it in the intelligence community. The operators, they initially thought it was a great idea. Let's get a capacity. Uh, it was before be, before. Russia was talking, but it was still late 2021. Let's go and find out if we can do it. And by within a few months, the White House clearly was told, that uh, was told. The people doing it thought this wasn't a bad idea to give the White House some options to maybe bluff 
or convince Putin that the cost is going to be very high. And But then when the White House, uh, Biden talked publicly about this within three weeks of the briefing or the information he got, and Victoria and Newland both within a three-week period in late January and early February of last year, both said publicly, well, we know we can stop it, and let me be, let me, let me. he said at a news conference, if, if if we will stop the Nord Stream 1, and the president was asked after he said that by a reporter, it's, it's a fame, it's all on tape, it was a, a, on the nightly news, the reporter said, well, how will you do it? He said, let me tell you, we know how to do it, we can do it, language like that. And at that point, the guys in the group um, were upset because it was supposed to be a covert operation. And by the time they finally they did their job. They made it possible. They, they planted the bombs with the aid of Navy divers. And, um, and then it just sat there. The bomb sat there for months. It was planted in June, uh, by which by, when, when the war looked, looked like the Ukrainians were doing okay, by late September, there was certainly evidence of a serious, a serious issue. It wasn't going to be a cakewalk for the Ukrainians, like some people in the press wrote. Um, and at that point, the group that made it possible understood that he did it for political purposes, period. It's not going to help the war. And what it does, what he was doing it for, was to prevent Germany and Western Europe, in case the winter came quickly, uh, from opening up the pipeline. The German government had, they had done the sanction. They had stopped the pipeline, but the German government had the right to open up the new one. And that wasn't wanted by Biden. That's the rationale for the mission to make sure that Europe and Western Europe keeps on funneling, supporting NATO, and keeps on funneling arms into, into what is clearly a proxy war against uh, Russia uh, that's being fought right now. Uh, just finally and very briefly, the silence of the Green Movement. This is supposed to be one of the, uh, the largest, perhaps, man-made methane leak uh, in uh, history. The Biden administration is committed. I was speaking to you from a place hosting COP28. The Biden administration always talking about green issues, fossil fuel emissions. Uh, where is Greta Thunberg? Where is Greenpeace that said they wanted to do an investigation? Uh, have they contacted you? A lot of people have, but I, I don't... But uh, the Greens have really moved a lot politically, and more than I thought. I really, I really was ignorant about it. They, the Greens, they have moved center-right, which surprised me no end, because I knew them differently when I was dealing with Germany after 9-11. After uh, what is happening is... Both the, uh, Macron in France and, and, uh, and Schultz in, in, in the Chancellor of Germany uh, have been talking more to the Chinese, which the Chinese have been, they may be awful on making vaccines and really dumb about how they ran that whole COVID business, but the Chinese have been way ahead of the rest of the world on what they call renewables, on, on the dealing and investing in non-oil-based non, you know, um, uh, energy sources. And so it's gotten to the point where um, uh, with the pipeline gone, uh, BASF, which is the largest uh, chemical company in the world and 100,000 employees, has had a cutback production because they can't get all the gas they want. And, and anyway, the price of the gas is so much higher, it cuts into the profit. They've actually had contacts with China, and so I understand, I've even had thought about maybe moving some 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 of their some of their physical plants or some of their products. And that might that might be some, Russian you know, gas coming down to China. So, sorry, we're going to have to stop it. Uh, 
Stop it there. Thank you so much, Seymour Hirsch. And Sai's book, Reporter, a memoir, is out now. That's it for the show. We'll be back next Saturday with a different perspective from George Friedman, the founder and former chairman of now-defunct intelligence gathering platform Stratfor, subject of revelations by WikiLeaks. Until then, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you very soon.